welcome to another episode of Just Jerry Live, Plotting Perspectives in Church Life with Todd Bryant and Jeff Short. How are you today? Uh, doing pretty well. I think uh, spring is in the air and so is some pollen and things like that. So uh, it's the double-edged sword. You know, you love to see the warmer weather come, but then comes also the heightening of the allergy season. So yeah, allergy problems are a multi-generational problem in the Bryant household. <laughs> we struggle with it. All right, uh, today we want to talk about a subject that every pastor loves to talk about and probably spends most of his ministry preaching on paying a pastor. Should a pastor be paid? How should he be paid? How does the church benefit? Things like that. But first question just before we really get started, why do you think pastors don't preach on this subject like they should? Or maybe I should word this question. Do you think you've covered this consistently throughout your mem- your ministry? I've actually preached on the issue a few times because I have uh, preached through First Timothy twice and I've preached through First Corinthians once. And there are passages in those books that deal with this subject. And I also preached on it in a a series that was a you know a systematic study of of doctrine related to the church so i have preached on it a few times okay so you usually rag me about talking about consecutive exposition and we're not even 2 minutes into this and you've already mentioned it <laughs> so so are well, you but it, go ahead well i was just going to say it's uh and it, yeah you're you're good about that i mean we can be talking about the ark of the covenant and then all of a sudden here you are talking about consecutive exposition through well, it's right there yeah, it is. It is. Uh, I think it was the 11th commandment or something like that. <clears throat> no, it's, but it is actually something to consider because I think that in general, pastors probably don't preach on it as they ought to. And one of those reasons being that it, it is uncomfortable, you know, it, it, it just feels like it's self-serving. And, and I think sometimes, you know, we, we have the idea that, you know, we need, we need to suffer. So, you know, we need to, to suffer financially as well as, as maybe in other ways. And so we shouldn't try to do anything about that. But the truth is that it's in the Bible. And so, you know, we're just really going to be uh, neglectful of our duties if we're not going to preach on it. You know, one of the things I've often seen is that when a pastor never addresses that subject in his ministry at all, and of course, that usually does come from more of a topical approach to the pulpit rather than that systematic approach. You, you're going to broach those hard subjects when you're preaching through First Timothy or First Corinthians. But a guy that's preaching Absolutely. topically really handicaps himself at addressing hard subjects. And this may be one of the hardest ones. But the problem really right. becomes that he hurts that next guy that comes in with a family and and the need of time to be a minister. He hurts that guy when he doesn't properly preach on this subject. Well, and he also hurts the church. Oh, that's a great point. Yeah, I, and I don't think a church really realizes, not, not the average member in the pew doesn't realize just the amount of time and effort it takes to prepare one sermon, not to right. mention the amount of reading that a pastor needs to be doing in order to enhance his understanding of the entire Bible, which affects every sermon. So if churches could really spend a day, you know, if my members, for instance, could spend a day with me and see how many hours I spend reading the vast amount of 
of variety of subjects that I read and how those affect every sermon that I preach, they probably would look at this entire subject a little bit different. Absolutely. Okay, so question number one, I I guess that was question number one, but we'll play like it was just an introductory question. Question number one, should a pastor be paid at all? There are some churches out here in various denominations that actually believe that it is wrong for a pastor to take any money. Is it right. is it wrong? No, it's it's not wrong at all. Uh, in fact, it's it's wrong to uh, refuse to pay a pastor in any way. So, just to think about a, a few places, First uh, Timothy chapter five verses seventeen and eighteen, Paul talks about the elders that rule well and that labor at the preaching and teaching. And he goes on to say that they are worthy of double honor. And that is obviously in the context, as well as from the greater context of Scripture, that is speaking about material support. And the double honor expression is actually an expression from the law, uh, Numbers chapter 18, and the double portion that the priests received. Now, what you find that Paul does when he makes that argument that they're worthy of of double honor, he's going to put two Old Testament references underneath of it. One of those is that about muzzling the ox that treads out the corn. The point of that, and of course, Paul asked the question in his letter to the Corinthians, you know, did God put this in the law just because he cares for oxen? Well, God does care for oxen, but um, that's obviously not the point. The ox was an animal that was providing a service and was rendering a benefit to the owner. And so the principle of the law was he was entitled to a share. He, he was, in other words, uh, the work, the laborer is worthy of his reward. And that's the second reference that Paul puts underneath of that, which Jesus also refers to. So there's a, there's a principle of justice in the law that when someone labors to do you a service, they are worthy of that reward. Paul wrote in Galatians chapter six and verse six that they ought to give it. Well and and I think we would we would agree that the word reward there refers to something similar to what we would call wages or a paycheck. Right. And I, I don't think it's accidental that in two verses or, or excuse me, two passages in the New Testament that speak of paying those that sow spiritual good to you, those that teach you the word of God, that's first Timothy five 1 Corinthians chapter 9, both of them use that same illustration from the law, you shall not muzzle an ox when it treads out the grain. That's not an accident that that that's right. addressed in the same way. And Paul goes on to say in 1 Corinthians 9 that just like that ox you know, gets its pay, just like those priests that served in the temple got their food from the temple so that those who proclaim the gospel, those that preach, should get their living by the gospel. That's absolutely in perfect harmony. You know, one of the things I think that is important to see is even back in that early church, and I know you're preaching through Acts right now, so you can you can probably add a little bit to this, but in that early church in Jerusalem where they had that disagreement about the Hellenists and the Hebrew widows who was getting neglected, one of the things that they say is they pick out those somewhat you know, pre-deacons, if you want to call them that, that I don't know that you'd call right. them deacons, but they were something that sort of morphed into deacons, I think. The point that Peter makes to them, though, is, is somewhat important, that it, it was necessary for those that are teaching the Bible to devote themselves 
to prayer and to the ministry of the word, which I think is going to entail more than just preaching. The ministry of the word entails study and preparation as well. You can't do that as a pastor if you're working 60 hours a week. I'm not and fulfill your duties as a husband and a father and an employee and really be able to maintain any sense of of ability, any sense of your mind. You're going to you're going to go crazy trying to keep all of those things in harmony if you're not careful. That's absolutely true. Okay, so I mean, I don't think we need to spend a ton of time speaking about whether pastors should be paid. But the one argument I often hear against it or have heard against it is that Paul did not take any pay. That's just not true, is it? Well, that's not true. And that's actually a, that's actually a good point, though, because if you read the passage in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 9, verses 3 to 14 is particularly the passage that we're talking about. And Paul actually starts out that whole passage by explaining that he had a right to have received pay from the church at Corinth. Now, by the time you get down to verses 11 and 12, he's saying that he actually chose not to receive it. But it's interesting that he called it a robbing of other churches. In other words, he was receiving support from other churches. He would not take anything from the church at Corinth, and he chose to do that because of the situation there. You know, he was teaching them a lesson, but he also says that he had robbed other churches. In other words, that it that it was the Corinthians' responsibility, and you know, he had robbed from others. And by the time you get to Second Corinthians chapter twelve and verse thirteen, Paul actually apologizes in part for robbing them of the blessing of giving. And even in chapter eleven of Second Corinthians, you know, he he that's where he speaks of preaching to them free of charge, which you know is right. that is that passage that people point to, but they don't need read the next verse where he says he robbed other churches in order to serve the Corinthian saints. Right. That there was an issue there that I think we miss, and this is sometimes because we fail to see the big picture. We we have a tendency to proof text rather than looking at the big picture of Second Corinthians. But Paul in Second Corinthians is defending his apostleship and the fact that, that they have allowed other teachers to come in and the way that he approached them freely off of the offerings from other churches was because of this entire way that they viewed Paul relative to his office. And I think that's important to see when you look at Paul's very few comments about him serving them freely. He was still supported by churches during that time, absolutely, just not the Corinthian church. So, Well, I, th- I think he made a decision there that... For some reason, he felt like that it would have been perhaps a hindrance to the gospel in that particular situation. So, so there's no way that I mean, Paul's not you know setting down some sort of pattern, you know, that should be followed ever after. You know that you know preachers should not be paid for their work. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, so if if this is the teaching of Scripture, and I think it is, it's, that seems obvious to me. What is the benefit of the church if the pastor is able to be paid well enough to at least work part-time and perhaps to be able to work full-time? What is the benefit to the church? The way that Christ has set the church up is for a church to have pastors and teachers that are a means of sanctification and growth. Not the only means, but they are a means. So, in other words, a pastor is one who is is for your maturity 
is for your growth in understanding and therefore your growth in faithfulness. Paul talks about elders as those that, you know, labor among you and are over you in the Lord, uh, that you know them. Hebrews 13. Oh, yes. So, you know, the... A pastor is one that not only are they given to the study of the word and preaching the word, but they also have to consider, you know, various issues of leadership in the church and and direction for the church, as well as just caring for the souls of those that are in the church. And so it's there's just an obvious benefit there that they do that without distraction. Absolutely. Uh, I, I've I worked for 18 years of pastoral living. And for that entire time, I I worked jobs that ranged anywhere from, you know, lower 40s to upper 50s in hours. And I mean, it's there's just no way that I was nearly as prepared to step into the pulpit when I'm working 58 hours one week as I am if I have time to actually sit down, pray and and go through the proper motions of preparing a, a sermon. Uh, there's just no way that you're as prepared when you step into the pulpit. And right. it's it's not because of a lack of desire. It's just an absolute lack of time. And not not only that, I think my family suffered some during those years too, because you're not able to be the father that you need to be, the, the husband that you need to be. Because when you work 58 hours during a week, every moment of time away from work is spent trying to prepare a sermon. Saturdays are gone. You know, when the family's out of school and, and off, you, you don't have Saturday to spend with your family. You know, it, it, it hurts more than just the church service. And it hurts. would you say that that would go ahead? Would you say that that would be a part of, you know, Hebrews 13 and, you know, he's, uh, your elders are supposed to be able to serve with joy and, and, you know, to give an account, you know, with joy. And, uh, but that seems like that would be a part of, of making their work a burden and a grief to them. Yeah. Well, Hebrews 13, seven speaks of, you know, actually imitating their, their way of life. So how can you do that if you've put them in a situation where they can't even really spend time with their kids? You know, that's, that's, true. that's not possible. And if you're not cautious, you're going to put a man in a place that he's going to become unqualified because he's not the head of the household that he needs to be because you've got him working 58 hours at a job and trying to pastor at the same time. And he just doesn't have time to fulfill his duties at home. It's a bigger right. discussion than we've often considered, I think. Now, look, I, I, I'm a believer that you know, plurality and leadership is important in a local church. And there may be some guys that are that are lay elders that preach some. But I think primarily we're talking today about that lead position that we often call a pastor today. But certainly you could right. you could pay other men in the church if the church is able to do that. And I think that would be good. But that lead guy who is leading the church, he's leading the other teachers. There's a great benefit for the church to you know, to pay that guy in a, in a way that he's got plenty of time to be what he needs to be for the church. Right. What should a church pay a pastor? Well, when it comes to talking about, you know, how to go about that and, and what things that should be considered, obviously the church's resources is going to be one aspect. All right. So if a church has the resources to be fully supporting uh, a pastor full time, then yeah, they ought to be doing that. If they do not, then you know, you can't get blood out of a turnip kind of thing. So if they don't have those resources, then then they just don't have it. But as far as, as what sort of things that they should be thinking about, well, 
one issue is is that you you have to take just as just as you have to take the church's situation into account you have to take the pastor's situation into a into an account all right so is this a younger man who has uh, a younger family with maybe several small children is this man retired and it's just him and his his wife at home because those are two entirely different situations so those things have to be considered you know Paul talked about in first uh, Corinthians 9 he talked about having the right to lead about a wife though he didn't he didn't have a wife but he had a right to and what Paul's talking about in that passage is he's talking about that the the pastor has a right to a living and Obviously, if he has a wife, like Paul said that some others did, then the you know what is needed for their living is going to be more than in the case of someone you know like Paul who wasn't leading a wife about at that time. So, so first of all, I'd say you have to consider you know the pastor's situation. You know, the pastor needs to be able to support his family. Paul said that a man that doesn't support his own family is, uh, you know, worse than an infidel who denies the faith entirely. So, you you know, a man needs to be able to support his own family. A pastor, one of the requirements of a pastor is that they uh, show hospitality. And, you know, showing hospitality does does require some money. You, you know, you have to have you have to have some food. You have to have, you know, some ability to be hospitable. Uh, pastors should also uh, be an example in giving and generosity. And, you know, if he doesn't have sufficient to take care of his family, well, how how's he going to be, you know, giving? How's he going to be generous? And part of taking care of his family also is going to be, you know, looking toward the future, saving for retirement, saving for that time when he can no longer work or what have you, um, saving against medical expenses and things that that come up. You know, just you know, just the children, keeping them clothed and fed, takes a, a shocking amount of money in today's world that a lot of people, you know, probably probably don't realize, you know, just how much that that, that is required there. So, you know, there's a lot of factors like I that think uh, that have to be generationally. Considered. We lose sight of how much money it takes to live for the next generation. Uh, you know, my parents bought a home in 77 for, you know, in the $30,000 range that was as nice of a home as I could have imagined growing up. And you don't want to pay that around here these days. I mean, it's just a different world. So generation. Well, even, well, even, you know, my oldest is almost 21, you know, so I've had children at home for the last 21 years. My youngest is currently four and, you know, I still have, you know, six at home. So I can see a difference just from 20 in 20 years time, I can see a difference in the cost of things, the living costs and, you know, the cost of, of things providing, you know, the children with things that they need. And of course, and we also homeschool. So there's, you know, some cost involved there for their educational needs and, and what have you. So, and it, it is easy to lose touch with that. You know, if, if I had, if I had to say I'd only had had one, you know, and he's almost 21 now, you know, I wouldn't have had, you know, for several years, I wouldn't have had any young children at home and uh, would be even a little bit out of touch with those calls. You know, we probably ought to explain here, too. We're not we're not talking about a Kenneth Copeland type lifestyle. I know that's one of the straw men that people <laughs> begin to talk about. Well, if you're talking about paying a pastor, you're talking about, you know, Creflo Dollar asking for a plane to fly around in. And no, nobody's talking about that. But I think it's reasonable that the pastor, you know, ought to be 
allowed an average salary throughout the church, you know, to support his family. Sure. And that's, that's not, we're not talking about millions of dollars. If a pastor's begging for an aircraft, that's, <laughs> that's probably questionable these days. Most people do okay right. without one. But I've also known of churches that had hundreds of thousands of dollars in the bank and plenty coming in every month and the pastor getting paid 150 bucks a week. And there just seems in my mind to be something off with that. And probably some of it is ignorance, not not in a bad way, just the, the average member doesn't know what it really takes for a man to fill the pulpit. Not And that's not all of his pastoral duties, by the way. I think we, we mention that a lot, but there's more to being a pastor than that. He should be discipling some people in the church, and that takes time. You, you, you get to the point that you limit him to where he can only preach, then you, you, you don't really want a pastor, I guess, at that point. You just you know want a preacher. Let me ask right. you this question. Should... Should a church, this, this is probably technical, but should a church be sending thousands and thousands of dollars a month across the, the world, across the ocean, if their pastor is having to work a, a full-time job plus to support his family? Or, or should they be well-established as a healthy church at home first? I know that's asking for an opinion here and I guess I could ask it this way. Can an unhealthy church that's not quite fitting that model of the New Testament, can an unhealthy church do healthy mission work? Or can an unhealthy church produce healthy churches? Do they normally do that? No, I don't I don't think so. But compare the situation. So you're talking about a church that has uh, sending out, you know, maybe thousands of dollars to various, you know, missions uh, throughout the world. And then they have a, a pastor that is working full time and is really struggling to make ends meet. And think of the picture this way. As a father, if you were starving your children and not giving them the things that they needed because you were sending thousands and thousands of dollars every year to various um, relief, you know, feed the hungry children and, you know, somewhere in Africa or, or wherever else. Well, would you be actually doing your duty as a father? And of course the answer would be no. I mean, if, if you're not, you know, providing for your own children, then, then why would you be, you know, giving to, to other children, so to speak? So it's really the, the sort of the same scenario, you know, if a church's pastor and a church's local ministry is priority number one, and then, you know, the support of other ministries outside of that local church should come secondary to that. If it doesn't, then I'm going to make the argument that whatever the, the church is receiving, I mean, whatever the mission is receiving on the mission field is not going to be receiving it very long because that local church is going to fall apart if they're not doing what they need to be Absolutely. doing locally. I think we need to make sure we're building healthy churches where we are, where we're planted first, and then going forth from there. We need to be striving with everything in us to look like the churches we find in the New Testament, at least the ones that were (laughs) the ones that were in good shape. There's quite a few that were in bad shape in the New Testament, but we, we can find instruction on how a church should look and operate, even in those letters to those churches that had all those problems. Right. Well, so you, you think a goal of a church then, and I, this is sort of an in-conclusion question, you think a goal of a church then, even when it's first established, the goal should be to have full-time leadership? Uh, yes, that that should be the goal. That certainly is the, the ideal. 
Yeah, I agree. I, I, and I think there's ob- not only is it biblical, not only do we find scripture in numerous books speaking about this, but it's just logical. If you hire a man for the right reasons, and the right reasons being to mature you, because that's why you hire a pastor, to mature you, right. then you want to give him as much time as possible so that you are benefited. And if you aren't giving him the time that he needs to study and to prepare and to pastor, then you don't care about your own spiritual nourishment the way that you should. Well, it's it, maybe another way to think about it, and I agree with what you're saying, is that you know I, I just had a trip to the grocery store last night. And so we make a trip to the grocery store and we we've, we've got some options before us. There's a lot of, you know, the packaged, processed, quick, sugary snack foods and things that are available. And you can certainly, you know, spend your money on those things or you can reduce those kind of things and spend your money on things that are healthier for you. And in the short term, buying things that are healthier is a little more expensive than buying the packaged junk foods. But at the same time, it's an investment in your health down the road. And so it's really a church should have a similar view that they are investing. You know, where where you spend your money is what show, it shows what you really value. So if a church really values the word of God, a church values the ministry of the word of God and really wants to invest in their own health and longevity as a church, then one of the key areas that they're going to do that is in making sure that they are supporting their pastor adequately. I think that'll do the end on. I I couldn't say it any better than that. Mr. Eloquent, Jeff Short. Yeah, that well, that's on the plaque hanging here over my desk. So, <laughs> hope you guys have enjoyed uh, this uh, this just Jerry live plotting perspectives on pastors' pay with Todd Bryant and Jeff Short. Have a great day. <laughs>